Good evening, everybody here at LC. Hot day, yeah? Yeah, it was. It was warm, man. I'm excited to be here, though. Good to see you guys. Everybody online, good to see you. It's been a minute. Um, I just want to share a few things with you guys, and we'll get right into the message. Uh, A few announcements here. Uh, Train Bible College enrollment is still open. Yeah. I'm a two-year graduate, man. I can't say enough good things about it. I went in expecting, and um, I think if you go expecting, you're going to get more than you could re- ever imagine, you know. And so uh, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Um, that starts Monday, this coming Monday, and uh, enrollment's still open till then. They'll actually take be taking uh, enrollment on Monday, too, so you can show up. And I think it's important to, to notice, um, man, just, I guess, being a dad for a year now, you don't have to take every single class of every, you know what I mean? You can pick and choose. You can take a 30-minute class here, hour class here, two-hour class here. You don't have to do the whole shebang all at once. So if something interests you, show up and and take it, okay? Uh, Another thing, India, we have the revival in India. That's this Friday at 10 p.m. right here in the main. Uh, Pastor Bob, Pastor Greg, and Jeff Craig are going to be the ones putting that on, and it's going to be streaming to India. That's from 10 to 1 a.m. Um, boy, if you can do that and be here, my kid goes to bed at like 9, I'd really have to be, <laughs> I'd have to be in the spirit to stay up for that one. Um, but it's going to be good. It's going to be good. So if you can be here, be here. It'd be good. And uh, anyways, uh, Omega Men's Breakfast, that's a week from this Saturday. Yeah, come on, man. That's a week from this Saturday uh, at 9 at LC Camp, Lake Camp, which is directly down 48. And uh, you're going to get directions for that if you're interested. We're going to have a special speaker, uh, Steve Reed. And he's going to be there. It's going to be good stuff. Biscuits, gravy, eggs, the whole shebang. Ten bucks a pop, fellas. It's good stuff. Twelve. Okay. Announcement said ten. That's my bad. And then the last thing, last but not least, is the thank you banquet. Um, that's LC puts that on every year for everybody who's served faithfully over the last year, uh, no matter the department. Um, that's going to be up there in the big black building. You can sign up for that and guest services. And uh, that is the twenty, the twentieth at six p.m. And uh, the the due date to sign up for that is the Sunday before, which is the 13th. So um, sign up for that. They want to say thank you for, for serving, okay? 
tithe and offering, man, I was thinking, I was praying about what to, uh, what to share, and man, I just thought of a testimony, um, and I think it's going to encourage you as much as it did me, but, but, um, does anybody remember the building fund? You guys remember that? Yeah? Well, uh, you know, you thought, you know, they were just asking for our money, but, (laughs) but, uh, man, I just thought it would be good to, to show you a little something that you sewed into, and uh, he's just a product. I love Alex. Uh, but I thought a testimony would be good, right? And uh, this kid is, I say kid, he's maybe five years younger than me. But um, man, I've had the pleasure of discipling him. And anyways, I want him to testify of some things that have been happening in his personal financial. Uh, you know, he's just, it's, it's, it's so cool. You can go ahead and come up. It's so cool when you get to see people that you've poured into, like actually you know they're taking hold of this stuff. And so this is, I want this to encourage you because it's what you guys are sowing into. It's the vision of the house. And uh, it's not just being preached, but it's being caught, right? And so. Well, good evening, Lake Church. For those of you who may not know me, my name's Alex. I'm getting ready to start my junior year in college. I'm getting ready to go to nursing school. So prayers would be helpful. Um, but the Lord's been working in my life because I've been thinking a lot about debt and student debt, and how much I may have to take out in loans, but God's financial status is greater, amen? And I just received two scholarships here in the last month, and thank you. And I have yet to take out a student loan, so I just wanted to share that, and I hope it encourages you guys, so thank you. Amen. Amen. He told me, that was a really quick version because we told him to keep it quick. But, man, he told me that, that he was really anxious and worrying about where the money was going to come from. And he was really caught up on this, and he said he just decided that the kingdom of heaven and its economy, just it was just far above. And he said he got word the next week, email, that he got two scholarships, and the amount he owed went from this to this. And so that's the goodness, man. It's the goodness of God. And so I want to encourage you to tithe, but also to give, man, to give above and beyond. I, I, this is going to sound weird. I'm, I'm, getting, I'm making it quick, I promise. But when I was showering before coming here, uh, I just felt the Lord say that the reason that you're not seeing breakthrough in that area is because the money's still in your pocket. And I just, I just felt so strongly that, that people are looking for breakthrough. You're looking for breakthrough in certain financial areas of your life. And you kind of, you know, it's the why, God, why. But I just feel like he, he was leading me to say, it's because the money is still in your wallet and in your account. Right? Amen? Amen. Okay. So the offering bucket will be at the back. You guys can toss that in on your way out. Um, and I'm going to pray and we're going to get right into it. So, Lord, I just thank you, Father. I thank you for your goodness. Lord, we thank you for your great grace, Lord. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for the blood of the cross. And I thank you for the word of God. Father, we just ask you right now that by the Holy Spirit, you would take this word and just show it to us in a new way. Reveal it to us. And we just love you and we praise you. Amen. Amen. Good evening, Lake Church. Amen. Before we get started with our Bible study tonight, I do want to pray and and, uh, we have a a couple of needs that are important to the house. Uh, Sue Hodge, um, Ken Hamilton's wife, and then Rhonda's mother, Rhonda Varnell's mother, passed away just this afternoon. 
and um, you know it was something um, she was battling some very severe uh, dementia type symptoms in um, that's just no way to live so we see that as a mercy that uh, she wasn't going too far long down that journey and uh, thank God God takes care of his people amen and we know where she's at so I would ask for your prayers for the family uh, as they are making some decisions and things of that nature pray for Ken Um, he was broken up Uh, this is his second wife that has passed and he was really beginning to blame himself and uh, we know just encourage him if you see him that he is not the curse I had to encourage him bless his heart he's just such a wonderful humble man and uh, we need to lift him up in prayer also uh, Steve and Debbie Hines are facing some situations with their parents as his parents as well and uh, having to put one of his parents in a nursing facility these are tough, hard decisions, uh, taking care of aging parents and infirmed parents. And we just need to make it a, a matter of prayer as a family to assist and to help them and release the Holy Spirit to give them wisdom and strength and everything they need to face the situation. Amen. So could we just stand and begin to lift our hands and begin to praise the Lord and worship him? You know, without him, we're nothing. And we can do nothing, and we have nothing. So we need him, amen? It's not us. We're not the answer, but he is. So, Father, in Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. We give you praise. We glorify you. Lift your voice unto God. Let him know how good he is, how great he is. Oh, we give you praise, Lord, and we thank you so much. We give you praise and honor and glory and adoration tonight, Father God. Thank you, Lord. The Bible says, come into his gates with thanksgiving. Praise God. Begin to thank him. One translation says, come into his gates with the password, thank you. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for health. Thank you for life. Thank you for sustenance. Thank you for provision. Thank you for your life. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for making me whole, Father. We just give you praise and we thank you for saving us from hell, saving us from sin, saving us from sickness, saving us from poverty. Thank you that Christ has redeemed us. He has bought us back by his precious blood. Thank you for the 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 blood. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We give you praise and glory. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we lift up Kevin and Rhonda and the family. We lift up Sue's sister, her immediate family. We lift up Ken. And we just release from this point forward the comforting power of the Holy Spirit to provide all the provision necessary that they need during this time of loss, Father God. I thank you, Father, that the joy of the Lord will be their strength and that they'll be buoyant through this situation because they will know that she is with you. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And we just thank you for that, Father, in the name of Jesus. 
And Father, we just lift up the Hines right now in the name of Jesus. We lift up Mom and Dad, and we lift up Debbie and Steve, and we pray for a supply of the Spirit to be dispensed from this place to them so that they can be strengthened and invigorated during this time, Father God. Thank you for the wisdom and the mind of Christ just coming forth as they're faced with decisions concerning the care of their loved one. And we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. And everyone that agrees with that prayer, say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Well, God is good and greatly to be praised. Amen. So we're going after a, a long hiatus. We're going to the book of Ephesians. Amen. And uh, I know you didn't remember any of what I taught weeks ago. So I'm going to do just a little small review, and then we're going to start with chapter 3. Chapter 3. And my goal is to get through the book of Ephesians in the next three to four weeks. So you need to believe God with me that I'll be able to do that. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So we looked at chapter 1, and chapter 1 we said is one big long sentence from the third verse down to the 14th verse. There is no punctuation in Greek. And the way this is constructed, it's one big long sentence that explains what God did for us in Christ Jesus. Now, I'm not going to review that tonight. You can go over it on your own time. But understand this, that when God thinks about you and what he has done for you, there is no pause. It is one strain of thought. It is continuous. He doesn't pause. He doesn't put any periods. He doesn't put any exclamation points. He doesn't put any commas. This is what I've done for you. And he lays it out in one sentence showing you that he is undistracted. He is undeterred. He is determined to see this happen in your life. And he speaks it forth through the Apostle Paul so that you can see what he has done for you in the realm of the Spirit so that you can begin to access it through the prayer that is brought forth in the 15th through the 23rd verse. That prayer is a way of accessing what he says in those those preceding verses. Amen? You've got to pray that your eyes are open to see it. As a believer, you're not trying to get something. You're trying to get something revealed that's already yours. See, that's the big ruse. And the devil wants you to get in all kinds of games and, and all kinds of uh, quests that, that aren't even biblical. That I've got to do this to get this and I've got to do that to get that. You are not in the Boy Scouts. You're not in the Girl Scouts. There is no merit badges that are coming in the kingdom of God. He outlines his entire package to you through Christ Jesus that you are been given everything, praise God, 
Hallelujah. And that you've been redeemed, transformed. You are now accepted in the beloved. Oh, come on now. Are you awake out there? You're already, you're not trying to gain acceptance. You have acceptance. You're not trying to get healed. You're already healed. He has given us all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. God's full measure has been given to you. It requires faith to be able to receive what has already been given. So he explains in chapter 1 that this is the grace that's been bestowed to you. But then he begins to give you the prayer that enacts the faith to be able to take hold of what's already been given. And then in the second chapter, he talks about our condition before Christ. He said, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, and we walked according to the course of this world, to the world system. And we followed in lockstep with the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that is at work in the sons of disobedience. And that we were like animals. We responded like an animal does. Amen. We lived in existence, not a life. Because life comes from God. Amen. But then he goes on to tell us that even though we were in that horrible position... God who is rich in mercy. That means that he is absolutely a plutocrat is what the Greek says. He is absolutely filthy, stinking, rich in mercy. I'm here to tell you, you serve a God who is filthy, stinking, rich in mercy. What does God have a whole bunch of? Mercy. Somebody needs to lift their hand and thank the Lord. God is filthy, stinking, rich in mercy. What does God have an abundance of? What does he have storehouses of? What does he have an abundance? What does your cup run over from? Mercy, 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 mercy. Amen? Because of his great love, he brought Jesus into the earth to redeem us. And through his death, burial, and resurrection... Raised us up with him. And not only raised us up with him, but seated us with him at the highest place of authority that we could ever be seated in. Amen? And so he then begins to talk to us about some very important things about the new creation nation that Jesus came to bring about in the earth. Jesus never preached, believe on me and you'll get a ticket to heaven. That was never the gospel message. The gospel message was that we would believe on him and that we would become new creations. That we would have divine life on the inside of us. That the Holy Spirit was the promise of the Father that was going to be put within and upon the believers of God. We are a new creation species, a species of being that has never existed before. We have divine life, treasure from heaven on the inside of earthen vessels that are still subject to time, 
still subject to, you know, decay, still subject to sin, still subject to these things, but yet what's on the inside of us is greater than what's on the outside of us. Amen? And in fact, if we'll understand that Jesus came to be the beginning of a new race, so to speak. And we want to use that word because race is not in the Bible, but we understand that it is a new species of being. That means that whether we have whatever other skin tone we may have on the inside is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And we've been created in his image and after his likeness. And through knowledge, we access that life and release it into our world. Amen? He goes on and he says that. Let's look at it. We'll start with verse number 11. It says, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles. Now he's talking to us. How many Jewish brethren do we have in here? Do we have anybody? might be a little bit, you know, somewhere me a little bit, but we don't have any full Orthodox Jews in here, do we? We're all Heinz 57s. We are Gentiles. And what does the term Gentile mean? Gentile just simply means outsider. That's what it means. Outsider. Because at the Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11, God disinherited the nations of the world. They wanted their own gods. They wanted their own pantheons, and they wanted to worship other gods other than Yahweh. So they built this huge, big ziggurat so that they could make a gateway to the gods. And they said, this is the gods we want to serve. And God said, okay, you want to serve those? Go right ahead. But because they were all united, he said, I can't have this. Because of their unification, they'll be able to do anything that they put their mind to do. So I'm going to confound their languages and disseminate them across the world through their own cultures. And they can take their gods with them. And that's exactly what happened. And that's the reason why you people will say, well, Hinduism is older than Judaism. is older than Christianity. Of course it is. God gave them a head start. Hello. And in fact, some of the tenets you read in Hinduism and Baha'ism and all of these different isms, they have some of the same shadings of the gospel message in them. They'll even have triune unity of gods. The Egyptians had them. The Sumerians had them. And it all is in mimicry and imitation of the real. And so that's set up beforehand. And God says, you know what? I'll take this idol, moon-worshipping pagan named Abram, and you can go off and do what you want to do, build your cosmologies and build your cosmogenies and build your civilizations, irrespective of me. But I'm going to take this man, and I'm going to raise him up, and I'm going to make a nation out of one man. You've got thousands of people. You've got perhaps even millions of people. But I'm going to take one man and I'm going to take him and make a nation out of him. And I'm going to bring my Messiah, my Savior, through that line. 
And guess what's going to happen? After my Savior comes and gives his life to the world, I'm going to provoke all of you to jealousy. I'm going to dethrone all of these other gods. I'm going to strip them of their power and their sham authority. And I'm going to provoke you to come back to the one who created you. And that's exactly what's happening. It's exactly what's happening. The dispensation of the New Testament is a dispensation in which both Jew and Gentile are called to the same table. Called to the same family. And this was something that was not known. And Paul says that. He says, therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh. Now notice that. He doesn't say in the spirit. He says in the flesh. Called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision which is made in the flesh by hands. So he's saying, listen, you're called outsiders by who are supposed to be the insiders. Okay? And so he begins to reveal one of the great mysteries of the gospel. And he says this, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Now that was our condition before Jesus. So that basically tells us that it is a false teaching to say that all of humanity, oh, I'm going to get you. Are God's children. That's not what it says. It clearly says you were without God. Well, I just believe God just works in everything. That's not what the Bible teaches. Come on now. Oh, you don't, people don't like to hear this stuff. They think, you know, we're all God's children. No. (laughs) Jesus in John chapter 8 told the most religious people, the Pharisees, he looked at them and said, you are of your father the devil. What a shocking statement that would be for a first century Jew To see a man look a Pharisee in the eye and tell them you're of your father the devil. Because to them, the Pharisees were held up in high esteem. They were the leaders. They were the spiritual giants of that time. And Jesus says you're of your father the devil. Why? Because when we, when Adam sinned, the nature of the devil came inside of us. We were rebels. That's what he's teaching us here. So just because, well, they were such a good person. They do good things. It doesn't matter. Do you think the devil knows how to do good things? Sure he does. That's the reason why it says every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father. Because it was every good gift we'd get duped sometimes. There's people been promoted right out of the will of God because of good gifts. 
that they interpreted were from God, and they weren't. I've seen people leave churches because of jobs and took them, and they end up divorced, and they end up in all kinds of trouble. Why? Because it wasn't good and perfect. Oh, you're not here. Are you awake out there? Well, I just believe God. He just works in everyone and stuff like that. Well, there are gods that work on. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of imitators out there. But until we receive Christ, listen to me, God is not truly activated in our lives. Now, that doesn't mean that he's not wooing you. That doesn't mean that he's not pursuing you. That doesn't mean that he's not sending people your way. But until we make that decision to be born again and to receive the gospel message, we are without God. Hello. Okay, all right. It's, it's the Bible anyhow. I'm not telling you what Greg says. I'm telling you what this says. It says, you were without God in the world. Without means without. Look it up in the Greek. Amen? The Holy Spirit's always drawing people. The Holy Spirit begins to work and try to lead people into a salvation experience with the Lord. I I can see things in my life in which he worked and led me down a pathway. But I didn't have him. If I would have died even in that pursuit, I would have been separated. I had to make a decision to receive the gospel message and what he said. And praise God, I was joined with him. And I became a new creation. Amen? Amen. It says this, without hope and without God in the world. But now, praise God, I like big butts. Amen? (laughs) But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off and have been, you've been brought near by the blood of Christ. Amen? For he himself is our peace. So we don't just have peace, we have the actual personage of peace. Peace is not the absence of problems, it's the presence of God in your life. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, resides in every believer by virtue of the Holy Spirit's presence. Therefore, we don't ever need to try to achieve peace or pray for peace. We yield to the peace. Remember what he told his disciples? Peace I leave with you. Amen? My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give unto you. Praise God, this is a peace that the world can't give and the world can't take away. Amen? And so he says, he has become our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in the flesh, in his flesh, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so uh, making peace. So he's basically saying this. He did not just come to reconcile us to God. He came to reconcile us to one another. 
In fact, we really narrow the scope of salvation by just thinking about us. And we really narrow our scope when we just think that what Jesus did was just for humanity, and it wasn't. He is reconciling all things. Angelic, things above the earth, things in the earth. Come on now. He's reconciling it all. His sacrifice is not just taking care of our rebellion in the garden, but it's taking care of all rebellion before the garden. It's taking care of original sin. It's taking care of all kinds of situations that were brought forth by Lucifer's rebellion. He is reconciling the entire creation that he created through Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus is the one. He is the straight stick in the crooked house. When he comes, he begins to, things begin to align to him. He doesn't bend for nobody. Everything bends and conforms to him. And that's exactly what is happening, my friend. That's the reason why we're facing the heat that we're facing. It's not because the kingdom of darkness is advancing and growing. It's because light has happened in the world and darkness is responding and reacting to that light. Tell you what, this is good stuff. Amen. He says, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. So he's basically saying Jews and Gentiles who were at odds with one another, even half so-called what they called half-breeds, Samaritans. Remember the disciples' attitude towards Samaria? You really want to go through Samaria? A Orthodox Jew would walk around Samaria. They wouldn't walk through it. Jesus said, we're going to go through it. Well, they're half-breeds. You know. Well, he actually has a conversation with a woman at the well, a half-breed. She's shocked that he's even talking to her. Why? Because Jesus came to reconcile. Not just humanity to God, but people groups. So what is he saying? Racism has no place in the body of Christ. None. Because we're not to know anyone after the flesh anyway. That's what 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says. It says don't know anybody after the flesh. He says you don't even need to know Jesus after the flesh anymore. Hello? So he basically is saying that the law was brought in to show us the barrier between us and God. But then the law was also a barrier that became between people groups, especially Jew and Gentile. Because those that followed the law, the law was a barrier that separated them from the Gentiles. But now in Christ Jesus... Oh, gosh. You've got to understand that when Jesus was raised from the dead, 
All of the false religions of the world that held the world sway, gone. Their temples were still there. Their priests and priestesses were still there. But there was no power behind it. Why? Because they had been stripped and and dethroned. And it basically says that he led them in a triumphal procession, which is a Roman procession in which they took their enemies down the streets of Rome. And at the end of it, they executed them. That's the picture. Mm, Oh, gosh. I tell you what. If we would understand what Jesus truly did, we'd stop living subpar, mediocre lives. You look at the ruins in Greece, in Europe, all throughout the different ruins of edifices that were built to worship other entities and other gods. It's just a ghost town. There's no life to it. There's no animation to it. You want to know why? Because they're gone. Jesus destroyed them. Now, I'm going to teach more on this when we do disclosure. Now, we have to deal with demon spirits that are trying to imitate these gods and trying to tell you that they're still alive. Come on now. But I'm here to tell you They have been utterly annihilated. I'm reminded the Lord took me back to the 14th chapter of the book of Numbers. Is this okay to talk about this? 14th chapter of the book of Numbers. And it's where Caleb begins to cry out to the people because they're afraid of the giants. They're afraid of the Nephilim. And they're afraid of the walled cities. And and Caleb goes says this. He says, let us go up at once. For God will make us able to take the land. He says, don't be afraid of them. He was talking about the Nephilim and the people of the land. He says, for their defenses have left them. Now that word defense in the Hebrew means shade. And if you study that out throughout the Old Testament... The word shade has to do with powers, spiritual powers. So what is it telling you is that the covering that empowered them and made them powerful, God has already moved out of the way, but you've got to step and put your feet. Oh, come on now. You've got to put your feet... Because he wants your feet to be the feet that crushes the enemy's head. He said, I'm going to take, you know, one of the things that Joshua did when he captured those giant kings. These were not small people. These were giants. They were holed up in a cave. And Joshua gets them and puts them in there and he has them lie down. And he gets every one of the elders of Israel and he says, put your foot on their neck. And the reason why is he wanted to get it into the people that God would take care.
care of their enemies every single time if they would only believe. Amen. He said, the Lord will do likewise to all of your enemies as you see this day. As you have put your foot upon the necks of giants that your generations behind said they couldn't tackle. They couldn't take them on. But you have walked in it. You have stood in it. You have seen God's hand. And he will do it from this day forward. So it doesn't matter what the doctor's prognosis is. It doesn't matter what the financial situation is. It doesn't matter what the situation is happening in your life relationally. Praise God, realize that Jesus has put you in a position to put your foot on the neck of what's trying to take you under. Jesus, through his death, burial, and resurrection, took that spiritual empire out of the picture. Do we still deal with demonic powers? Yes. Do we still deal with fallen angels? Yes. But these 72 cosmocrotters, as they're called, were taken care of. That's the reason why their temples are empty to this day, and you pay money to tour them. There's no worship going on there. Anything that's done in that way is underground worship. And it's very small. I'm telling you, Christ did a work. He did a work far greater than you would ever imagine. Even Hollywood admits it. How many of you remember that uh, movie Clash of the Titans? Remember the new one, the new one they had? Remember Zeus was talking to... You know, his demigod son, and he said, the people don't pray to us anymore. They forget to tell you why. Because Jesus destroyed the pantheon of the Greek gods. Jesus destroyed the pantheon of the Egyptian gods. He did that with Moses. And in fact, people will think, well, the Exodus was just about, you know, getting the people free. No, he was serving notice on the gods of Egypt. God was taking care of the gods of Egypt because it was the gods of Egypt that were enslaving the people of God, which is Abram, who he picked out. He said, you're not going to do that to my boy. You're not going to do that to mine. You're not going to enslave him. I'm going to get you out, and I'm gonna not only going to take care. See, it wasn't just a removal if you get a hold of this, this, this will really change your life because what's applicable here is something personal in your own life. When God does something, he does it permanently. Because Egypt never recovered, never recovered historically from the time the Hebrews left. They never recovered. They never had their glory like they had. We have to understand that when God declares judgment on that cancer, when God declares judgment on that sick, when God declares judgment on that situation, 
Praise God. He expects you not to return. In fact, he told the children of Israel, I don't want you going back there. But but they... He said, I don't want you going back there. Amen? Hallelujah. You getting anything out of this? All right? We're going to get to chapter 3, guys. I promise. Verse 17, and he came and preached peace to you who were far off, that's you and I, and peace to those who were near, that's the Jewish nation, the seed of Abraham, so to speak, the physical seed. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So the Jews don't have a separate spirit. And we don't have a separate spirit. We don't have a generic spirit. We've got the same Holy Spirit, amen? And we both have access. Praise God. Access. Access to God. Amen. He says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom... The whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And here the, the, the apostle is giving us insight into, you know, First Kings chapter 6. And I believe verse number 7 where it talks about how the, the uh, Solomon's temple was built without a sound. The rocks were quarried miles away. And when they were put together, they were put together without noise. And that's what God is doing with the church. The apostle Peter calls us living stones. He calls us stones that are building a temple of God. And we are being brought together without a sound. But praise God, when every stone gets in its proper place, it's going to happen just like it happened in Solomon's day. He said when they dedicated that temple, the Holy Ghost came into that temple and filled that temple. And he is filling this temple here today. Amen. New stones are being brought in daily. Building the house of God, the habitation of God. So then, chapter 3. I told you I'd make it. It says, for this reason. For what reason? God building a habitation. God bringing both Jew and Gentile into the same relationship with God. Bringing him and making one new man. Out of two, outsider and insider, coming together in Christ and becoming new creations. That's the gospel message. That's one of the mysteries. One of the seven mysteries that the Apostle Paul brought forth. He says, for this reason I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. Now he wrote this epistle in prison. He's not referring to him being in prison here. He is saying, my life is a bond servant to Jesus. And if you're truly a bond servant for Jesus, there's no physical chains that can hold you bound. There's no cage that can hold you. He says I'm a bond servant. I'm a I'm a slave to Jesus. 
Amen? And it's only through that, that becoming a slave to the Lord that we experience freedom. It's one of the paradoxes of divine life is that we have to lose our life in order to find life. And so when we lose our life and stop, you know, and stop uh, being a slave to sin and a slave to our appetites and we die to the old man, then we're able to experience divine life as God intended for us to experience. Amen? Amen. And he says, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship. Everybody say stewardship. Now, he has given a stewardship or what we would rather, or the King James calls, dispensation. Everybody know what a dispensation is? Okay. Now, if you went to Bible school, you know what a dispensation is. Okay, so he's talking about a stewardship or dispensation. You see, he was given specific revelation for the gospel to be brought forth to the Gentiles. It was a stewardship that you and I are eating from today. It was something that he went off into the Arabian desert and was received revelation directly from the Lord Jesus Christ. Much like Moses going to the mountain and receiving the Ten Commandments and the Torah, the Apostle Paul went into Arabia as a type of Moses and received the revelation of the New Covenant. Now, the Gospels had been printed and spoken of all over the region. What God revealed to the Apostle Paul that he wasn't able to reveal through Peter, wasn't able to reveal through John, wasn't able to reveal through any of the 11 remaining apostles that walk with the Lord, was what happened in the invisible realm when Jesus gave his life on the cross. So it's the Apostle Paul that brings us this revelation. And he received it by divine, direct communication with Jesus himself. I'll prove it to you, okay? Now notice what he says. He says, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. Now, if you go over just one other book to Galatians, Galatians chapter 1, he tells you how he received this revelation. Galatians 1 and verse number 11. we got 10 more minutes, all right? Is that all right? He says, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. He said, I didn't learn it from Peter. Oh, come on. I didn't learn it from the other apostles. I know who they were. I have relationship with them. I have respect for their ministries. But I had to get it on the backside of a desert. Notice what he says. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen? So tradition states that the Apostle Paul received direct communication just like Moses received direct communication in the giving of the law. In the same region, 
that it was given in the Old Testament. It was given in the New. And the Apostle Paul comes and tells us what happened from the cross to the throne. He begins to share with us the new creation reality. Things that John, things that Peter, things that Matthew, things that other disciples were not able to reveal. Because if we just simply have the Gospels, it would be wonderful to understand and know the stories of Jesus. We would see a great example of a man, uh, of the God-man walking the earth. But Without the epistles, without the the Pauline revelation, as we call it, we would not know what transpired and what was the transaction that happened between God and man through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this was the stewardship. We entered into a dispensation of the grace of God. We're no longer under the dispensation of the law. I know there are people that want to do the law. They want to observe all kinds of, of commands and all kinds of, and observe all kinds of feasts. But I'm here to tell you this new dispensation tells us very clearly that that has passed away. And in fact, you're going to get mad at me. You're going to get mad at me right now. Just as Apollo's temple was vacated, just as Zeus's altar was vacated, the temple was destroyed. And it was destroyed for a reason because it had passed away. The veil has been torn, and God, now we have open access to the Father. Amen? Yeah, but they're going to make another temple. Well, that's not the same temple. The tribulation temple is not the same temple. It's all going to be smoke and mirrors because Elvis has left the building. Hello? Amen? Once you get him out of there, he ain't going back in. And that's the reason why you have 144,000 Jewish uh, evangelists being anointed and, and marked by God right after the church is taken out to replace the witness. Amen. Will they sacrifice in that temple? Absolutely they will. Because we know that the Antichrist will put his own sacrifice in there. So we know that they'll institute that back in there. But when it was destroyed in AD 70, something that Jesus prophesied 40 years before. It's done. That whole economy is gone. God with his temple and the pagan nations with theirs. Now, there are people that have tried to resurrect that back up. There are people that try to go, you know, I need to go, you know, uh, to Stonehenge. And, I, you know, you see all these things, but there's nothing to them anymore. Hello? I, I, don't, I just don't think we have the revelation of the utter and total destruction 
that Jesus did with his resurrection. Because it means he's untouchable. He's absolutely untouchable. That means he's superior. He was already superior as Yahweh. But he comes in to the muck and the mire and the mess, and then he rises up out of that mess, and he not only is Lord of all creation, he's Lord of the new creation. Oh, come on now. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Are you all right? Okay, all right. I'm having fun. Notice what he says, verse 4. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. Notice that. The word mystery, musterion in the Greek, it does not mean something that we cannot know. It means something that has not been previously revealed. And he goes on to explain that. Which was not made known to the sons of men and other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets. Now notice this. He starts off with apostles. Why does he do that? Because in the Old Testament, the prophet was the main. You didn't hear a lot about apostles. Now, the function of the apostle was in the Old Testament as well. Because we could say that Moses was an apostle. We could say that that Joshua was an apostle. We could say that these various people were apostles, but yet they weren't entitled as apostles. The prophet was the main way of guidance and direction that was in the Old Testament. Now, the prophet has not ceased in the New Testament, but is subservient to apostles. And here's the reason. Because the prophet prophesies the word that is the, oh, what, what would you say, is, is the um, material, the spiritual material, but it's the apostle that puts it together. Do you understand what I'm saying? The apostle puts the infrastructure together. The apostle builds buildings and creates schools and begins to do things and takes the gospel, not just in word only, but begins to create Bible schools and and all kinds of different things and, and empowers young people to know who they are in Christ and, and, and mobilizes an army. That's what an apostle does. See, we, we function in the, the, the prophet. We think the prophet's the, you know, we, oh my goodness gracious. No, it's those apostles that take what the prophet says and actually makes it a reality. Amen? You know, we, we talk about this place. We talk about this 10 acres here. You know how many preachers went by this place and wanted this place? You know how many people were praying for this place? The Lord told me. You know, you begin to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think sometimes when you do something for the Lord. And and he has the nerve to tell you, I asked three other people to do this. That really makes you feel good, doesn't it? Hello. 
See, we can't just go, but, you know, most, and that's the way most people will do. They'll get a prophetic utterance, and they'll just sit back. Oh, okay, great. Well, I'll be sure happy when that happens. That's not the way it works, my friend. You have to take that word. You have to make it has to become a part of your DNA. So much so that you live, breathe, and walk it. Well, the Lord said that I was going to be restored to absolute full and utter health. He told me that. I, I was here in 2017, first arise we had. Prophet Kevin Powers prophesied over me that I'd be totally restored. Uh, you know, that was six years ago. I had to take that word. I couldn't just sit there and say, well, isn't that wonderful? You know. God told me he was going to restore me. So I guess I'm just going to sit around and eat Twinkies and wait on God. To, when he wants to do it, he'll just do it. That's the way people have. I'm talking to somebody in this house. No, I had to take it in there. I'd say, yes, the Bible said, and I had to remind the Lord and remind the devil of what was said. He wants you to do that. You know, he clearly says, he says, He says, set forth your cause. Plead your case. That's what he said. It's a lawyer term. Well, I received from Prophet Kevin Powers, and I would tell him that. I said, you know what, on that day in October in 2017, this is what you said to the prophet. You said that I would be totally restored. Well, I believe that. I embrace that. That's mine. And guess what I did? I went to work. You know, when I was in the hospital, they sent uh, DHS workers to sign me up. To sign me up. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, the word escapes me, but they signed me up for disability. They said, well, we've seen your heart measurement. You can't work. That's what they told me. But we can get you on this disability and you can make, a, make an income. I said, no, I'm going back to work. She said, you're going back to work? I said, I'm going back to work. In fact, I'm going to go to work on Monday. Amen? When I had the stroke in 2020, they said, Mr. Hurd, you've just had a stroke in the area of the brain. That affects your peripheral vision. And I'm sorry to inform you that you will never drive again. That's what they told me. I bought a car. <laughs> and I haven't killed anybody yet. And I got perfect vision in my eyes. And in fact, when they came to check it, like a day after they told me that report, they said, your eyes have advanced 20 to 30% of what they were when we Come on, listen to me. 
You don't have to mess with that anymore. Oh, there may be a process and by which you get victory, but you'll get victory. Yeah, they had to take the land. They had to take up arms. They couldn't just sit there and just speak to it and go away. See, they didn't, you know, the, the, the fully realized sword of the Spirit wasn't something that was a revelation to them. They had to take up physical arms. We have the sword of the Spirit. We have the Word. How do we take land? Through our mouth. We've got some kind of disability that's messing us up, or we've got some kind of symptom in our body. We, we don't need to sit there silently. Hello? If you've got problems with your kids or problems in your marriage, you don't just sit there silently. Well, I prayed and I said, Lord, please. That's not what you're supposed to. That's not fighting. I'm sorry. That's not fighting. Begging the Lord. Hello? How many times have you ever heard it? How many times have you ever said, well, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed? I love prayer. Prayer is vital. Prayer is important. But you need to stop praying about your mountain. You need to start speaking to it. Amen. You know, Charles Capps said, people keep praying to me about their mountain. And I told them to speak to their mountain. Amen. Okay. All right. Okay. Five more minutes. Is that all right? I'd like to get down a little bit further, if that's okay. He says, this mystery is, now he's going to tell you what it is, and he's already really kind of alluded to it in the second chapter. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus throughout the, through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister. That's what a steward is. According to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church, everybody say through the church, people bad-mouthing the church. Hello. People got church hurt. I don't like church. No, he's saying right here, through the church. What's it gonna ha- where's it going to happen at, people? Through the church. What is going to happen? The manifold wisdom of God. Now, you might think we're a bunch of stupid idiots. You might not think very much about the person sitting beside you right now. But we're the church. And within the church, God has chosen to put in the manifold wisdom of God. Because he has chosen the foolish 
things of the world. That word foolish is the word morose, where we get the word moron. Aren't you glad God uses morons? Amen? He says morons. He uses morons to confound the worldly wise. And we're going to, listen, the church is going to be made fun of more and more as the days progress. And you better be ready because the church has gotten out of its popularity stage where we've tried to be all cool and hip and compromised in a degree to try to win the world. Every time the church or God's people has tried to suffice or acquiesce to the world, it's always cost us in persecution. Why don't we turn the table and be who we are called to be and do what we're called to do and make no apologies for it and let's see what happens then. We're going to be persecuted, but we're going to be empowered. The church always grows when persecution hits it. It's when we start acting like the world that we lose it and get enslaved. And we have been in a mode for the last 25, 30 years of where we have allowed the world to dictate what the church is and define its capacity and its vision. Where we've made it about them. And it's about him. Amen? Amen? Okay. All right. I thought that went over well. All right. He says, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to, notice who it is. Oh, you, I did all that build up and you don't, you don't get it. I went the long way around the road and you still didn't get it. Who is he trying to prove it to? Apollo? Zeus? Athena? These are real. They're not figments of man's imagination. They're not just some weird thing that someone came up to. These were real. These are the men of renown in Genesis 6. We got planets named after them. Your days of the week, majority of them are named after them. Your months are named after them. So don't tell me they're not real. And you know what? When Jesus, when he went down to the center of the earth, were there in prison? He preached to them. He told them, you remember what you did? You remember how unjust you were? You remember that you enslaved humanity? Well, I'm the key that's going to break them loose. And when I come up out of this pit, I'm taking them with me. Come on now. Get a hold of this. Praise God. 
according made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he had realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness. See, that's what, see this information should make us bold. shouldn't make us tim- timid. It make us bold, make us speak forth, make us open our mouth, make us do the works of Jesus. Yes. Amen? Hallelujah. <clears throat> with uh, boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is to your glory. And I'm going to close right there. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Can we give God praise? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. If you knew what Jesus delivered you from, you'd never complain one minute in your life. But most believers don't understand. They don't know that we were in prison. In fact, Jesus, when he talked to his own people, they said, we're not in bondage to anyone. They were under Roman occupation. That was one of the worst bondage that there was. But they said, we're not in bondage to anyone. They didn't even know the cage they were in. They didn't know that they were being manipulated. They didn't know that they were being used and abused. But Jesus comes in and he speaks to us and he shares with us. And through the law, he begins to show us the picture. The law was to reveal the disease that was enslaving humanity so that he could bring the cure through the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're here tonight and you haven't received the cure, tonight is your night. Now we're going to have ministers that are going to be up here ready to pray with you, ready to pray if you need to be born again, if you need healing in your body, if you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. You need, if you're living in 2023, you need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Amen. I tell you what, they got some funky stuff going that you need some tongues. Amen. You need to fight their funk with the funk that God gives us in the Spirit. Amen? And they're up here. They'll do it. Amen? If you need deliverance, maybe you're faddling something. Maybe there's an addiction that's plaguing your life. Maybe it's not just you crucifying your flesh. You know that there's something behind. Praise God, a believer can speak to that, cause that to leave your life. And then give you information to keep it out. Amen? Because when God does it, he wants to do it right now. And he wants it to last. Amen? Hallelujah. We're going to have a good time Sunday. I've got a good message for you. And uh, praise God. Hallelujah. I'm just excited about disclosure that's coming up at the end of this month. And uh, I tell you what. I'm not going to put it on YouTube. I'm not going to put it on because they'll shut me down. You know, you won't be able to see me anymore. We want to use those platforms for the gospel to reach people. But I'm telling you, some of the stuff that you'll learn in that 
will equip you for the last days. Amen? Hallelujah. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.